Hello over there on the other side of the pond, Tony Campolo, and the other microphone is being worked by Shane Claiborne, uh, the author of a book that has sold hundreds of thousands of copies, The Irresistible Revolution. Uh, there's a new edition of that book that has just come out, and uh, it's even better than the original one. So go out and get a copy of The Irresistible Revolution. Uh, even your uh, secular book. Version 2.0. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go and get a copy of the book. Uh, but uh, Shane is here. We're both the products of Eastern University, a Christian university that sits on the outskirts of Philadelphia. We put the show together at Cabrini University. Cabrini University is a Christian university just across the street from Eastern. It's Roman Catholic in its origins. But we're friends, and we hope that Catholics and Protestants will always be friends. And I hope the people up there in Northern Ireland who get this show understand that Jesus is as much at work in the Roman Catholic Church as he is in the Protestant Church, that there are pagans in both the Catholic Church and in the Protestant Church, Hmm. and there are Christians in both the Catholic Church and in the Protestant Church. Uh, It's Jesus, loving Jesus, that is what is important. Hmm. Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Have you invited Jesus to be a living presence in your heart? He's there with you right now. If you're listening to the show, I don't care whether you're driving a car. I don't care whether you're sitting alone in your living room. Let me just say, Jesus is there with you. All you have to do is say, come on in, invade me, flow into my life. Uh, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens, if any woman opens, I will come in and dwell in that person. It says that in the scriptures. Check the book of Revelation. Mm. Find the verse. It says that. He wants to enter into your life. And uh, so we preach that kind of stuff. It's the old-time religion, if you want to call it that. It's the old-time religion. You know, uh, Karl Barth, who is one of my intellectual heroes, and I guess, Shane, uh, you've read enough of Karl Barth that he's become one of your intellectual heroes. And you don't have to believe everything that Barth says. Every time I mention somebody, they say, well, he said such and such. Do you agree with that? Everybody I read, I read like I eat a piece of steak. I eat the meat and I throw the bone away. And that's the way you've got to read uh, other theologians. That's the way you got to listen to us. Yeah, I went to to his grave site and they they told me this is his wife buried next to him and that's his mistress on the other side. And I'm like, wow, okay, maybe a great thinker, not the best husband. (laughs) (laughs) Did you really go to his grave site? Oh, man. It's a strange, strange world, is it not? You know, uh, Shade, I don't know whether I said this on the program, but right near Eastern University, there's a cemetery for dogs, a dog cemetery with tombstones, the whole bit, and there are funeral services over there for rich people who want to bury their dogs or cats in, in harmony. And uh, the uh, caretaker of this dog cemetery was interviewed uh, by the Philadelphia newspaper. And uh, the guy said, uh, uh, anything unusual here? He said, yeah, there's one man that chose to be buried next to his dog. And the, care, the Inquirer newspaper said, uh, don't you think that's strange, a man wanting to be buried next to his dog? And the guy said, if you knew his wife and you knew his dog, you'd understand why he wanted to be married ne- buried next to his dog. Oh, yeah, so there you go. Well, let's go back to the subject. And the, uh, the subject we're uh, dealing with today is uh, the whole story of Scripture. Why don't you pick it up again? Well, so this... This uh, idea of power, I think, uh, is is a part of the framework of Scripture. Is you have it beginning with the Exodus story, where slaves are rescued 
uh, from the imperial powers. They're being formed into a new people, which um, uh, it's, it's important that the idea of a ho- holy means set apart, that they are being shaped into a new society, in a sense, to show the world what a society of love looks like, what God's people look like. They're, you know, to have new laws, they're to have things like Jubilee, which was to systemically dismantle inequity and to set slaves free and let the earth uh, rest. And so there's all these things that are being shaped. And then um, the people choose a king. They demand a king in the book of Samuel, you know, and God tells them, well, no, I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you know, like I, I, you're missing the point. I'm your king. You don't need a king. And they say, we want a king to be like the other nations. And God actually goes through and tells them, this is everything a king is going to do to you. He's going to take the best of your labor and your fields. And the king is going to make you fight in his wars. The tax king's you out of going existence. to make you slaves and tax you out of existence. They're like, yeah, we want one. You know, so <laughs> later later uh, in Hosea, the people are, are complaining about their king. And it says, in God's anger, God gave them their king. And God's basically like, yeah, I told you so. You know, and yeah. so this this idea of power, our infatuation with power, I think is is you know a thread all through Scripture, and um that that's where as Christians the culmination of that is when Jesus comes, um to sort of help us fulfill that role that you know Israel never really did that well as a as a holy people to help us um, heal the wounds of our sin and and uh, so it, Jesus comes um, as uh, every part of his life is a parody of power. I think, you know, yeah. even being born as a refugee uh, to a poor family in a manger because there's no place in the inn. Um, uh, he ruled not with an iron fist, but with a towel, you know, as he's washing mm. the feet of his disciples. He didn't ride a war horse like Kings rode, but he rode a, a donkey, a borrowed donkey at that. You know? yeah. <laughs> he is executed on a cross. So everything in his life, and even even it makes us explicit, you know, and says in this world, people lord over each other, but not in, in my kingdom. You know, you're to, you're to wash each other's feet. You're to serve each other. It's a race not to the top, but to the bottom to serve each other. So the kingdom of God that Jesus talks so much about is uh, the antithesis of the kingdoms of this world. And it's, it's a place where the mighty are cast from their thrones and the lowly are lifted. The last are first and the first are last. And so that, that trajectory, I think, is, um, has a ton of relevancy to the world that we're living in right now because a lot of what we see in our own country is this grasp for power and, uh, and, and, and a, a subversion of almost everything Jesus seems to be about. So we kind of lose our way. But I, I think it's important to not, that that's nothing new. You know, this is a really old thing. Like, like um, only, I only I in, got it. I don't think I got it the whole time I was growing up. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of thought uh, America first. Uh, we're going to be the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Power was what it was all about. And, uh, and then I began to change my mind about that. You've changed your mind. You often refer to uh, the United States of America, your country, which in many ways you love, as I love it. But you often refer to it as the empire. Why would you use that language? The empire. So I, I, what, what happened for early Christians, I think, is they found themselves in a place where their allegiance to Jesus conflicted with the society they lived in. And... Um, uh, so, you know, when, when I think of, uh, um, the, the, even the language that Jesus used for the kingdom of God, it was the exact same word for empire that, that the mm-hmm. empire of God, the governance of God, the reign of God coming on earth. And yet 
these were at odds with each other. That's why Jesus says, like, don't be surprised when the world hates you because your kingdom is not of this world. You have a citizenship that is bigger than being a citizen of Rome. Uh, you know, and the Bible even suggests that Christians are not citizens of this world, but they are rather ambassadors. They come from another kingdom to bear witness of their kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Yeah, and, and so we have... Um, uh, so, so, I mean, this goes all the way back, I think, you know, to when... Um, we sort of lost our way a couple hundred years after Jesus. Christians um, began to gain power, right? In the era of Constantine, Christians went from a, a, a kind of marginalized minority to a powerful force to be reckoned with. And, um, and in some ways, it was in the midst of that, they, they really lost what it, the, the distinctiveness of what it meant to be Christian, to follow Jesus. They exchanged the cross for a sword. They went from being persecuted to actually being the persecutors. And we have Constantine then becoming the first um, uh, public emperor that was a Christian and branded everything Christian. And the irony in all of that is uh, like Kierkegaard, you can't say it better than Soren Kierkegaard. He said, where everything is Christian, nothing is Christian. Yeah. And I think that's kind yeah. of where we live is in a in a country where many people would say, well, this is a Christian nation. Yeah. You know, in our, on our money, it says, in God we trust. But then you look and you say, how Christ-like are we? <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and have we lost, uh, it, it almost inoculates you, you know, like uh, uh, to, to true Christianity when we when we've found ourselves kind of uh, uh, totally immersed in the empire. Yeah, well, the British Empire uh, is now being imitated by the United States. Uh, we want other countries to become our vassals. We want other countries to be subservient to us. We want to exploit their resources. We want to take control. We want our sphere of influence to yeah. spread around the world. Uh, the empire. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the question is a very serious one. Do we not end up uh, oppressing uh, people in other countries? Mm -hmm. It's taken how long? for the British to undo the horrible effects of colonialism. I mean, all over Africa, we see nations that are corrupt, mm -hmm. that are violent, uh, that are oppressing their people. And if you sociologically study, how did they get this way? It all started with the empire. Mm -hmm. uh, and a very interesting thing is, the only concept of freedom that oppressed people have, if they're not Christians, the only concept of freedom that an oppressed people have, if they are not Christians, is the oppressor. Mm. You know, that's their concept. What does it mean to be free? You talk to an oppressed people. They point to the oppressor and say, I want to live like him. But he's somebody that's oppressing people. Yeah, yeah. The net result is what? Every time there's a revolution, the group that wins ends up oppressing the next group down the line. Uh, very often, revolutions only end up in changing the palace guard. Show me a revolution in Africa that has ended up as a true democracy, even the one that uh, Mandela tried to create in South Africa. I mean, it's becoming more and more of an oppressive uh, society, yeah. more and more of a dictatorial society. Look at Zimbabwe. Look at these African nations. And so these people who uh, are freed from the empire tend to imitate the empire 
once they get power. Yeah, and when you look at the things that people said about Rome, Rome was this exceptional. You talk about American exceptionalism. There was a Roman exceptionalism. Like this was Rome was uh, the 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 pinnacle of everything Pax incredible Ro- in the world. Pa- Pax Romana, they called right. it. The and peace of Rome. Uh, we've created the perfect world. And we've created this same idolatry in America where, um, I mean, and, and I use that word, it's literally there's a theology behind it, right? Like, so yeah. um, George Bush at one point, um, as he's, you know, he, he's talking about America, he said, the ideals and hopes of America are the light of the world and the darkness will not overcome it. And there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the light of the world, but it's not America, it's Jesus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's when we replace Jesus with America. And, uh, and, and Obama said America is the last best hope on earth. Oh so we began gosh. to have this idolatry of Americanism. Um, and, and Dr. King was uh, one of the, the beautiful prophetic voices against it. He said, don't let anybody make you think America is God's messianic force to be reckoned with, the policeman yeah. of the whole world. But we yeah. really believe that America is, is we, and we have a theology of manifest destiny and of all kinds of stuff that has created this American exceptionalism. And now, how, what does that look like? Well, like we, there are some countries that have foreign military bases. Like I understand Britain has seven, uh, Russia has eight, France has five. We have 662 <laughs> you know, in the U.S., foreign military bases. So we've, we have our, the extension of our empire um, is, is pervasive. And, and we have e- countries that if we don't control them politically, we control them economically. So we have such a, a force. And, and, and I think that's where we, we get confused. It's what does it mean to be Christians in an empire? And, and you start to go, even as we want to have a safer world. So folks are conflicted. They go, well, we don't want North Korea to have nuclear weapons. You're like, well, we have half of the nuclear weapons in the entire world yeah. in one country, and we're the only country that has actually used them on civilian people. We killed hundreds of thousands of people in one week. So, the, you know, th- yeah. that's where Christians, we've got we've to uh, challenge the theology of empire. Yeah, well, uh, you have a friend, I have a friend in Walter Brueggemann, this great yeah. uh, scholar of the Old Testament Perhaps the foremost. Who is a champion of the whole Red Letter Christian yes, movement, he's, too. He's really excited He gives about money it. to the Red Letter Christian movement uh, to support us. He's on our side. But uh, uh, Walter Brueggemann uh, told me the story once of going to see his uh, little granddaughter's elementary school program. Uh, it was a patriotic program. And they had these children up front. And uh, one by one, a child would step forward and give a great quote of an American patriot. You know, uh, give me liberty or give me death. That's mm. one. Uh, um, they, they were all of these great American quotes uh, that comes, come out of, uh, uh, out of Benjamin Franklin and, and, uh, and Thomas Paine, these great American quotes. And these children were reciting. One would come out with one, one with another. And after each quote, the rest of these children on the stage would say with one voice, America will live forever. Oh, my God. And then the next kid would say a quote. And the group would yell, America will live together. And he said, the third time they said it, a shiver went up my back. And I said, this is, this is kind of what, the, what Hitler tried to get the German youth to do, yeah. to believe in the Third Reich that would last 
for a thousand years, he told them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that uh, this this kingdom will last forever. Uh, Bill Gaither taught us to sing, kings and kingdoms will all yeah. pass away, but there's something about that name. I just thought I'd give That's our good. audience some beautiful music for a change. Well, a musical interlude. Yeah. We should yeah. we should pause just to say. Uh, yeah, we should pause. Uh, yeah, we need some more music. But uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Uh, the name of the show is Across the Pond, and we're on uh, every week talking about red letter Christianity and what it looks like to follow Jesus in the world today. Uh, and today we're talking about empire and power and. The Christian identity, I think, when I think of the the metaphors that Jesus is using, they're almost always in contrast to the the world around us. So, like light and darkness, you know, salt and um, and and uh, um, Stanley Hauerwas has said that we're it's like we're air fresheners in the bathroom, <laughs> but sometimes we end up not smelling so good. So, like what what we're meant to be is to leave off the fragrance of Jesus and. That means being a holy counterculture. It means living in ways that are oriented to the kingdom of God, where the last are first, uh, rather than the kingdom of this world that's continually um, making idols out of things like wealth and power and money. Um, so so uh, when, when you, you've used this great line of uh, how you saw the evolution of Christianity from yeah. a movement. So well, uh, the uh, line that I love to use uh, and— uh, I'm not sure that it's original with me, although it might be original with me, uh, that Christianity uh, started as a movement uh, in the Holy Land. Uh, They took it to Rome, and they made it into an institution. They took it to the rest of Europe, and they made it into a culture. They brought it to America, and they made it into a business enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of says what happens. you know, the, uh, the thing is that as I look at America and Christianity, uh, we must recognize that Christianity has been an excuse for robbing and stealing and murdering. You see, I don't get that. We came to this continent. We drove the Indians off the land. Mm. We murdered them in With wholesome. the cross in hand. Yes, yeah. And you know what the justification was? We were bringing Christianity to these pagans. Mm. Horrible thing to say. Uh, When the Spanish conquistadors uh, landed in in Central America, the first thing they planted was not their flag but the cross and said, we have come here to conquer this land for Jesus. And they killed anybody that was opposed to them. Uh, It was a frightening kind of a thing. Uh, And the idea that uh, the kingdom of God comes through political or military means uh, forgets the point that we are to be the people who spread the love of God through small acts of kindness and great acts of kindness. Let me tell you a little story. Mm. It's a town in the Midwest some years ago that had its whole industry built around producing perfume. And uh, the... uh, the author of this story talked about coming to this town and getting off the train. And he said, I got off the train. It was the sweetest smelling place I'd ever gotten off the train to visit. And I asked the conductor, and he said, well, it's about 5 o'clock. 
It happens every day at 5 o'clock. And he said, well, what happens at 5 o'clock? Well, they end their days of work. And all these people who have been producing perfume all day long leave the factory Mm-hmm. And they carry the odor with them mm-hmm. out into the community so that the whole community is permeated with the smell of the perfume wow. of the factory. What an imagery mm-hmm. of the church. The church is the place where we take on the odors of Jesus. And when we leave, mm-hmm. we carry that sweet smell into the world in which we live, <laughs> into the places where we work, into the places where we vote, into the places where we shop. We carry the sweet smell of Jesus wherever we go. Mm. That'll preach, you know yeah, that? That's preach. Yeah, yeah. So as, as we think about uh, what it means to be the fragrance of Jesus, I think it's it's so important to realize that the the language that Jesus used, you know, all, all through the Gospels is riddled with imperial language that he's yeah. spinning on its head. Um, the, the language, e- even the word gospel, um, I learned this when we wrote our book, Jesus for President. That predated Jesus. Uh, ten years before Jesus was born, on the uh, wall in Asia Minor, it said, um, Providence has gifted us with the uh, w- with with Caesar, who has come to us as Savior. And then it says, he is the beginning of the gospel. So Whoa. this is ten years before Jesus that they were saying, not Caesar is the Savior of the world, and the beginning of the gospel. And so when Jesus and the, and, you know, the angels pronounce uh, a savior is born, you know, in the gospel, all of that was a subversion of this imperial language. And, and, and the early Christians got that a lot more than we do, that every time they were saying Jesus is Lord, they were also declaring Caesar is not. Yeah. Uh, and and, and that, in the book of Acts, it says these these Christians are causing trouble all over the empire. And it says they are proclaiming an emperor other than Caesar. They are proclaiming Jesus as emperor. And it was upsetting. Yeah. When they say Jesus was innocent when they put him on the cross. I always argue with my students and say, <laughs> he wasn't innocent. Here's what it says about him. He stirreth up the people. Check your Bibles. Yeah. When they accuse him uh, before Pilate, they say, he stirreth up the people. There is no question about it. He was saying, there's another king, another emperor. It's not Caesar. You need to be ruled by Jesus, not by the guy mm. who sits on the throne in Rome. Uh, you must be ruled by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, the Bible is subversive. It undercuts uh, those things that this world has idolized. Uh, we have a president who calls himself a nationalist. Mm. You say, what does that mean? Well, he says, it means for me, this is his quote, that there's nothing more important to me than the United States of America. Yeah. Whoa, that's idolatry. Yeah, and, and this is where it couldn't be clear the, the ramifications of what it means to be born again. I mean, Jesus says so specifically, what's born of the flesh is flesh, what's born of the spirit is spirit. He says, who is my mother or my father? It's like, um, and, and he even says, everybody in this world loves their own people. Like, you're called to love bigger than that. So I like how Mother Teresa said, Tony, she, she said, sometimes our biggest problem is that the circle we've put around our family is just too small. That yeah. God wants us to live love bigger than family. So a love for the people of our own country is not a bad thing. But our love isn't defined by borders. It doesn't stop at a wall. If someone's suffering on the other side of a border, it's just as tragic as if it were our own flesh and blood. And that's why America First is not just 
bad politics. It's a theological heresy to say America first. Jesus says the last are first. You know, it doesn't matter if, if someone's hurting, whether they're they're of your own nationality or ethnicity or country. Like like uh, we we have a citizenship in heaven, and that means that uh, everything else is is uh, uh, submitted underneath that. When Jesus goes to his hometown Nazareth. They're all on his side until the very end of his speech. And he looks at this Jewish audience and he says, you think you're God's chosen people? I want to tell you, there's somebody up in Lebanon, that's a, another country, who will enter the kingdom before you. Yeah. There's a woman down in Syria. She will enter the kingdom before you. Another religion, another nation. And they say, oh, no, we're the only ones. Mm-hmm. We're God's people, nobody else. God loves everybody. He is committed to saving all who are willing to come to him. On that and note. It's a good thing that uh, the Bible doesn't say God so loved America. It says yeah. God so loved the world. And so let's love as big as God loves. And, and um, God's love is, is not stopping at borders. So thanks for joining us. Man, we're out of time, Tony. Um, Not out of so talk. Keep, keep subverting the empire, whether you're over there in the, the UK or right here in the US or wherever you are. The values of the kingdom of God would, should flip the world upside down, the last being first and the first being last. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. And again, God bless you.